morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers here this morning. Thank you, Shirley. Uh, for those of you who might not know, I have three children. I think there's a picture of them here somewhere. Nathan is seven. Uh, Eli is four, almost five. And Micah is seven months. So I have my hands full. I'm bored all the time, right? I would like here this morning to wish you moms a few things from my reality of the stage of motherhood that I am at right now. Okay, some of you are going to relate to this, some of you are going to remember these things, and some of you are going to have no idea what I'm talking about. So tonight, moms, when you walk across the room in the middle of the dark, and you step on one of your children's toys, I wish for you that it's not Lego. Today, when your family throws their dirty laundry on the floor, I wish for you it's at least close to the clothes hamper. I wish for you that the leaking of your child's bodily fluids on you is at a minimum today. I wish for you at least three consecutive hours of sleep tonight, which I did not get last night. And last and definitely most important, I wish for you the opportunity at least once today to have the opportunity to go to the washroom by yourself. So wherever you are in your stage of motherhood, I do wish you a wonderful Mother's Day. And for some of you here this morning, I know that today is a very difficult day for many different reasons that don't even need to be expressed. But if today is a hard day for you, I want you to know that I am personally thinking of you and praying for you, the Lord's peace and his presence upon you in such a special way today. As I prepared for this morning and the fact that it was uh, going to be Mother's Day, um, I found myself looking back over the different uh, women in my life who have um, had an impact on me and my upbringing. And so obviously the very first person I thought of was my mother. My mother's name is Cindy, and I love her dearly, and I thank her so much for all that she has done to help mold me and shape me into the woman that I am today. My mother does not like crowds. She does not like to get up in front of people. You could not pay my mother enough to do what I am doing right now. However, if you were to put her behind that grand piano over there, she would knock your socks off. My mother has never wavered in living Christ before my brothers and I. I can still very vividly picture every morning coming downstairs, getting ready for school, and we would find our mother reading her Bible and praying. And I am so, so uh, excited and, and appreciative of that example that our mother shared with us. I think of my grandmothers. Uh, both uh, women are, are still alive today. I am the oldest grandchild on both sides of my family, so I have the wonderful privilege of still having my grandparents with me. 
my dad's mother, uh, Naomi. She is a missionary alongside of her husband for many, many years. She has graciously uh, loved and cared for all that those that the Lord has put in her path. My mom's mom, Helen, she is a friend to anyone that she meets. And there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that she cannot fix with fried chicken and apple pie. <laughs> Both of these ladies have never wavered in showing Christ, following him, and showing us how to, uh, how to live for him. Last, I think of my great-grandmother, Eunice. Uh, I did not know her well. She died um, before I was very old. This is actually the last picture taken of her and I together. Uh, she was a missionary alongside her husband as well, and her reputation definitely precedes her that to this day there are still people being affected by the ministry that her and her husband had. I stand before you very grateful for the legacy that I have. The Lord has blessed me with a childhood full of memories and examples of his great love and how to follow him. Maybe you're here this morning and your past is, is similar. You can recount people or at least one person in your life that has shown you the love of Christ, that has been an example of him. And that is something worth praising the Lord for. That is a wonderful gift. But maybe you're here this morning and your legacy doesn't look like that. Maybe yours is filled with darkness and pain and hurt. Maybe Christ was never a part of your world, your growing up. Unfortunately, we don't get to choose the legacy that we are given. It's written without any um, opinion of ours. It's done before we even get here. However, the legacy that you and I are going to leave is entirely up to us. From the day we are born, we get to write our legacy that's going to be passed down to the people coming after us. Every choice we make, every action we take, every word that we speak becomes the legacy passed down to those who come after us. Whether you are a parent or not, someone will see your legacy. So what is your legacy going to be? What would you like it to be? I'd like for us to look at a passage of scripture here this morning that I think can kind of help us with this choice. If you'd like to turn with me or you can follow along to Joshua chapter 24. At this point in scripture, we see uh, the Israelite people. Um, they have been brought now to the land that the Lord has promised them. This is the promised land that we hear of in the Bible. And they've crossed into that, and they've now divided all the land up of to who is going to live where. And before they all scatter, Joshua, the current leader, has brought all the people together, and he gives them this address that I'm going to read to you. 
Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I took your father, Abraham, from the land beyond the river and led them throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country to Seir, to, of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. I brought you out of the land of the Amorites, who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, um, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites. A mouthful. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet, which that can be translated terror. I sent terror ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings, you did, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from their vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. This whole big recap of the Israelites' history is reminding the people that God was the one that brought them to this point. If my mother or my grandmothers could be here today, they could give you a similar type of recap saying that it was God who has been working in them and through them to get them to this point in their lives. I love verse 12 that I read that it says, it was not your swords or bows that brought you the victory. There is never a godly legacy created without the hand of God. Our series is The Imperfect Family. We are all imperfect families, but those that we look up to and we love and we respect, they got there by the hand of God. They got there because they chose Christ. 
If you're here this morning and maybe you feel that your legacy does not in any way, shape, or form reflect the hand of Christ, I would like to challenge you on that this morning. Maybe you feel that there is no light, there is no life in the legacy that you have been given. But the fact that you are sitting here right now listening to me, I think says that God's hand is in it. Somewhere along the line, someone or something inside of you drew you to be here this morning. And that is the hand of God. That is God at work. God loves every single one of us. He died for every single one of us. And he desires to do great things in and through every single one of us. And maybe here this morning, you can be the beginning of a great and godly legacy. Let's go back to Joshua again. This time we're going to start at verse 14. We've looked at what God has done, and now Joshua is switching gears to what God is going to do, where God is going to take them. And I believe that this advice that Joshua gives is still relevant to us today. Directives that we can take to ensure that we can have a godly legacy. So Joshua 24, 14. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. The very first thing that Joshua says here is to fear the Lord. Now when we see the word fear, we usually associate that with something negative, something scary, something that we don't like. But my fear of spiders is not what Joshua is talking about here. Our word fear in this context can, is translated into the Hebrew word Yahweh, which means to be afraid of because it is absolute. To stand in awe of, fear, reverence, or honor. You see, the fear that Joshua is calling us to is not the kind of fear that we're going to jump away from and run and scream. No, Joshua is talking about an awe of who God is. He should be revered and honored because he is absolute. In our culture today, we are kind of taught to steer away from absolutes, to stay away from black and whites and to kind of live in the gray. Jesus is not that. He is absolute. He's for sure. He can be counted. And in our culture today, that can be downright scary. The kind you do jump 
and run away from. But it's true. Other than the Bible, my all-time favorite book is The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Not sure if you're familiar with it, but in the book there are four children. And they find out about Aslan. He's the main character, the Jesus character in the story. And they find out that he is a lion. And they're terrified. And so it, with the other Narnian um, different people and the different characters in the story, they ask them, is he safe? And this is the reply that they get. I love this quote. Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. You see, God is God. He is capable of more than we can even begin to imagine or dream. And that can be downright scary. It's unknown. But with that unknown comes an awe and a respect that only the king deserves. He is the one that guided the Israelites down through the years. He has guided my family and your families down through the years. And he is the one, the only one, capable of the type of power and love to carry each and every one of us down through the years. That is worthy of our awe, our reverence, our fear. If we desire to live a life that leaves a godly legacy, we re need to realize that God is the only one that can make that happen. We can't do it on our own. Joshua saw this, and he knew that the people were where they were because of God. And the only way that their future would work to any goodness was if God was with them. And they revered and feared God for who he is. So where does that leave us this morning? Do we fear God? Are we in awe of who he is? I think that for those of us who have been in the church for a long time, that this can sometimes be a difficult thing because we allow ourselves to become desensitized to the greatness and the wonder of who God is. We allow God to be normal. And our God is not normal. He is God always and forever. If we are looking to leave a godly legacy, we first need to fear the Lord. And then we need to put away our idols. Let's go back to Joshua 24 
14. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors. At this time, and in this culture in scripture, uh, the people would actually make idols. These would be forms or statues of some kind that they would create themselves, and they would put honor and worth to them that they would actually bow down and worship these things. They would pray to them. Some of them would actually give them food. They would put them up in their homes in a visible place for everyone to see. And they would pass these things down generation after generation. Now, God obviously did not want this practice to continue. If you remember the Ten Commandments, the list of rules that the Lord gave, that this was one of them. Do not have any gods before me. Do not worship idols. God classified this as a sin. But if Joshua is bringing this up all these years later, this is obviously something that the people of Israel were still struggling with. They were struggling with this sin. So Joshua is telling the people that if you're going to go forward with the Lord, if you're going to have a great legacy, you have to leave this behind. Put it away. To have a great future with the Lord, put it away. Now, we don't have this practice in our culture today. I don't think any of us here this morning um, would create little statues and give them food and worship them. Does anyone have that difficulty? No. However, every single one of us struggles with something in our lives. Maybe it is a sin. It's overwhelming your life. Maybe it's a part of your past that is leading you away from the Lord. Maybe it's someone or something that you're putting on a type of pedestal, making them more important to you than God. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your idol is, put it forever away. Turn from it. Completely remove it from your life. Whatever it may be, it's not worth a ruined or tainted legacy. God will not bless us if we are purposely holding on to sin. He will not bless us. So where does that leave us this morning? What idol are we clinging to? What do we need to put forever away? Lastly, if we're looking to leave a godly legacy, we want to serve him alone. Again in our verse, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. And the verse ends with, serve the Lord alone. 
What does it mean to serve? We quite often um, connect this word with food, right? We serve a meal. Obviously, Joshua is not talking about us serving the Lord a meal. So, so what does it mean? Some of the definitions of serve is to work for, to render assistance, to render obedience. Serving is simply carrying out a job that you've been asked to do. So with the Lord, it's doing what the Lord asks of us. Serving him alone is putting his request for our obedience above all the other cries for our attention. So it's putting his request for our obedience above every other thing in our lives. Joshua is encouraging the people to put God first. Now, it can be so easy sitting here in church and say, I'm going to put God first. He is first in my life. What about later when we go home? When we go about our everyday life? What happens when life happens? Does the way we treat our families show that we're putting God first? What about at work or with our friends? Do our actions show that we serve God? What about when real life sets in and we're tempted to look at that website, spread that lie, Make that gossip. Make that exaggeration. Do our actions speak to the fact that we want to serve God above all else? We are incapable of serving God wholeheartedly and still hanging on to our own comforts. We cannot fully yield our hearts to him if we are still holding out for ourselves. Growing up, my dad was and is a pastor. And we lived in a parsonage, which is basically just a house that the church owned. And when I was about 10 years old, I can remember that our house began to stink. And we began to, just the smell, it was just awful. And we could not figure out what it was. It was, our, our family room was in the basement and our kitchen was above. And it was these two rooms. And we just could not figure out what it was. It was absolutely rancid smell. The house was becoming uncomfortable to be in. After over a week of my dad searching the house, every little cranny he could find, he finally found a dead rat. A rat had crawled in the side of the house somehow and had gotten up in the floorboards and had died. 
this small animal began to make the whole house almost unlivable, at the very least, very uncomfortable. And if my dad had not taken the time to search it out, the house could have become unlivable. Our lives are the very same way. Something so small and innocent, maybe something that no one else sees or knows about. If it is kept unchecked, it could ravage your whole life. If we are not willing to be completely committed to the Lord, if we do not give every area of our life over to him, the devil can wiggle his way into such a small area of our lives and make the rest of our lives unusable too. God has given us free will. And with that means he won't overstep his bounds into areas that you have not allowed him to go. The Lord does not want just half of our hearts. He's not looking for lukewarm commitment. He's looking for all of who we are. Revelation 3, verses 15 to 16 says, this is God speaking, I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Have you ever tried to eat lukewarm soup? It's gross. It doesn't taste good. It's not enjoyable. That's what God feels like when we do not give him our whole heart. I don't know about you, but I want my legacy to be more than the equivalent of a lukewarm bowl of soup. When it comes right down to it, who and what we serve is going to determine our legacy. Sometimes the things we choose, they're not bad things. They're just not God. We can get so focused on our families, on our finances, on our material possessions, and all those things aren't bad. They're wonderful things. But if we fail to put God first, if we fail to serve him alone, then our legacy is going to be less than it could be. Joshua continues in verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, 
whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He's telling us we're going to serve something. We have to choose something. We get to choose something. No one else can make that decision for you. Joshua then states his intentions. Me and my family, we are serving the Lord. I love this verse. I think it is my favorite verse in scripture. And Graham and I have kind of sort of adopted this as our family verse. And it's posted all through our house as a constant reminder of our intentions. It is our goal and intention to serve the Lord. It is our goal to fear him and to honor him in our lives and in our home. It is our intention to get rid of any sin that creeps into our lives and in our home. It is our intention to put the Lord first in our lives and in our home. Now I say all that not to brag or to seem all holier than thou, but as a reminder for myself and for you that it is a constant, a daily choice to serve the Lord. No matter how old or spiritually mature you become, you will still daily need to make that choice. Who will I serve today? We are all writing our legacy. Each day, each choice adds to what we leave behind. We can't choose what's going to happen to us in the future, but we can choose how we are going to respond. The only way that we can leave, live the type of life that pleases God is with his help. Will we choose to fear him? Put away the sin in our lives? To serve him alone. You know, we're not only creating a personal legacy, but this church is creating a legacy as well. Each and every one of us in this room gets to add to that legacy. What is the legacy we're writing? Is it one of awe and wonder of who God is? Have we chosen to put away the idols? Are we wholeheartedly serving the Lord alone? What is Moncton Wesleyan Church going to be known for? What are people going to say about us? We get to help create 
that legacy? What will it be? What kind of legacy are you going to leave? I don't know where each of you are here this morning in your lives. Maybe you're here this morning and this is brand new information and you are, I want to serve the Lord alone. I want from today on my legacy to be that of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've been walking this journey for quite some time and today is a reminder, yes, Lord, you are first and foremost. Maybe the Lord has brought up a sin in your life that you need to put away. Wherever you are this morning, as we worship here in just a moment with the band, I challenge you to do some business with the Lord this morning. What is the legacy you are going to leave behind? Let me pray with you. Dear precious Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. For all that you have done, that you have gone through time to, to get us to this moment here this morning. And we just praise you for that. And Father, we all look to our futures and, and we think and we dream of all that, that it could be. But Lord, without you, it won't be as good as it could be. So Lord, just this morning, speak to our hearts. Help us to be open and receptive to what you have to say to us this morning. And help us from this day forward to allow you to write our legacy. In your precious name I pray. Amen.